the morning to follow you. You can turn in your Bible to Colossians. And turn in your songbooks to uh, 232. We want to uh, begin with a song. And it's not, uh, it's, it's indirectly, well, it's very directly related to this uh, message, but um, um, Break thou the bread of life. In Colossians, it's a letter, it is the bread of life. And we want to uh, pray this song and think about these words as we, as we sing this song together. Break thou the bread of life. that we would find and hear the, the living God, the living Word, Jesus Christ. And it tells us that the Spirit, that the Word is Spirit and life. Uh, Christ is our life. And these, the words of Scripture show us Christ and our life to those who hear it and accept it. So, uh, you'll see a bit how this relates to this letter to the uh, Colossians. 
In the days of the early church, Colossae was a town, a small town. It had been quite a city at one point, but it, at this point, had shrunk to uh, just a small town, maybe a village. And it's about 100 miles inland, if you flip to your map in the back of your Bible, uh, you'll see it's about 100 miles uh, south and east of Ephesus, which is on the shore of the Aegean Sea. And it's up in a valley uh, along the riverbank uh, in present-day Turkey. And a number of miles downstream toward Ephesus, actually, not many miles, there were two other towns, uh, one of them quite large and very wealthy, and that was Laodicea. And across the river from Laodicea was Herapolis. And in Colossae, there was a church. And how did this church start? Well, it doesn't seem likely that Paul was actually ever there in the uh, in the second chapter of this letter. He says, "For I want you to know what a great conflict." I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. And that's often, most often understood as Paul saying, I have a burden for people I never met. Like, I never met you, folks at Colossae. One likely scenario is that Epaphras, who is mentioned a couple of times in this letter, uh, found the Lord while he was at Ephesus, while Paul was there for several years. And that he went back to his hometown in Colossae with the gospel. In uh, the first chapter in verse 7, it's speaking about the truth that you also learned from Ephesus, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And in the last chapter, in verse 12, it mentions Ephesus, who is one of you, like he is also a Colossian, a citizen of that town. <coughs> At any rate, the gospel had reached Colossae, and now there was there a group of Christians. And one of the members of that church was Philemon. There was a letter written to Philemon, we find here in the Bible. And um, it was his slave Onesimus that had escaped sometime before and found his way to Rome. We read about that in Philemon. And some scholars imagine that the church of Colossae met in Philemon's house because Philemon seemed to be pretty well to do and probably had a house of a size that would accommodate a little crowd. Well, one day, we don't know just how this happened, but one day some men arrived in Colossae from Rome and they had a letter 
for the church. In Colossae, it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul for the Colossian Christians. And the ones who were carrying the letter were Tychicus and Onesimus, no less. Onesimus, the former slave of Philemon, coming back to Colossae, now converted himself and returning to his master. And he would have had with him, if I understand this right, he would have had with him the letter that Paul wrote to Philemon, a personal letter which got published for us to read also. Near the end of Colossians, in chapter 4, verse 16, there are instructions given that this letter to the Colossian church um, was to be read in Laodicea, and that a letter that had been written to the Laodicean church was to be read uh, to the Colossians. That letter to the Laodiceans has long been lost. Nobody knows what exactly it said. So, in Colossae, after this letter arrived, and we don't know the details, of course, speculating a little bit, but um, the church gathered, that would be obvious, they gathered to hear this letter, and to hear this letter read in an assembly, read aloud, because they couldn't just take it uh, to a copier, it couldn't go down to Office Max and run off copies for everybody. That wasn't possible. And it was eventually copied and distributed, but uh, that took a while to do by hand, laborious work, very careful and time-consuming work. So they gathered, and this letter was read. How interested do you think these people were in this letter that came to them from Paul? Well, it's possible there were some half-hearted Christians among them just loafing along and still not sure whether they really wanted to be Christians or not. But there's, I think there's good evidence in this letter that their interest was high. Um, and the reason I think so is because, um, we'll not touch on all of this, but uh, Epaphras came back to Paul after he had visited there, and he told Paul, these people accepted the Word of God. They accepted the Gospel, and there is fruit. These people are fruitful, and uh, they are flourishing in the Christian life. So, uh, I think there was interest there because for that uh, for that growth to, to uh, be maintained, there has to be interest and devotion. So they hadn't some break out the bread of life, but I believe they had the desire and the prayer in their heart that uh, that song expresses. It would really be interesting to know what that service was like. But I imagine that somebody, uh, a reader, someone with a good voice that would carry all the way to uh, 
the back of the room, uh, read slowly, distinctly, carefully, all the way through this letter to the end. And maybe he read it through the second time. And people just listening very carefully. How is it when you read along with somebody? I can tell you how it can happen to me. So if someone is reading a passage of Scripture, and I have my Bible with me, and I'm following along, sometimes my mind will kind of wander. And so I'll miss something, even if I have it right here, and the words that he's reading aloud are right here in front of me. And... But for these people to catch the message of this letter, they had to listen very intently to hear what it said. And it, just thinking about that um, impressed and challenged me that that is the way we need to listen to and to read the Bible, God's Word, and to read it carefully like we sang in that song. So, I think that there were uh, a good number of that group were listening in that way. And I wonder if their hearts burned it within them like those disciples on the road to Emmaus after they had listened to uh, Jesus uh, expound the Scriptures. And then were there comments? Were there questions? Was there discussion? Did, was, did he say this? course, there weren't chapters, there weren't verses. But did he say this there at one point? Maybe the reader went back through and they read that part again. I don't know what that was like. Maybe they, maybe their service went pretty late before they dismissed. I would imagine uh, it went a while. And that as they broke up into smaller groups, families, couples, and people heading to their homes, that uh, they were probably still talking about what they had heard from Apostle Paul. That's what I imagine happened. I had actually thought about reading or having some of you read this whole epistle to us here today, but I, I think that I will not do that. But I will read... Um, The whole chapter of chapter one and a good portion of chapter three, and there's a lot here in this this rich letter, and we'll not cover nearly all of it. Uh, but let's read through, and uh, you uh, you have this prayer in your heart as as we read together. I read aloud, and you follow along. And let's all have this prayer in our hearts. Break thou the bread of life. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith 
in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world, and is is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned from Ephesus, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight, if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom 
that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to this working, which works in me mightily. Chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Therefore, Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, Holy and beloved, put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And when that letter was read in its entirety, um, no one, none of us either, would have thought everything that Paul wrote about thought in that letter. And so the next time, you know, different things probably impressed different people as they listened to that. And that's how it is. In a Sunday school class, or message, or even when we read the Bible, that God's Spirit speaks to us at different points where we are, what we need. And so uh, the things that maybe uh, struck you as I read through that passage or these passages may be uh, different if we had time to compare notes here on it. I'll share a few things that uh, impressed me. Um, and, and I was going to say, too, is that when we read through a scripture like that and, and something grab us, 
the next time we read through it, maybe there'll be some other things that especially catch our attention or we're more deeply impressed with something that uh, really touched our heart when we read it through the last time. But I'll, I'll share a few things that uh, impressed me. Uh, in thinking about the church at Colossians, well, thinking first of this um, of this little town, a a uh, a field ripe for the harvest, like we like we had in our Sunday school class with the uh, about the Samaritan woman at the well. <clears throat> and so, Ephesus <clears throat> comes there with a message, but we're pretty sure it was Ephesus. The message of the gospel. And one of the, the core things of this of this letter that uh, really impresses me is in the first chapter, in verse 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This was a mystery, he says in the verses before. This is a mystery, he says in 26, um, which had been hidden from ages and from generations past. And now it was revealed. And God willed to make this known that what had been a secret was now revealed to people who would hear it and people who would accept it. The same. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's still a secret to so many people. It's been announced, it's been read, it's been preached, but it's still a secret. It's still a mystery to so many people that aren't listening, that aren't hearing, that aren't understanding. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Epaphras. This amazing truth was shared with, with him, and he had it. He understood it. He was thrilled by it, and in his heart was born a great deal to carry the third back into Colossae with his own heart. So they heard this truth from Ephesus, and says in verse 5, um, the, uh, beginning of verse 5 in chapter 1, because of this hope which is laid up for you in heaven, which you heard before in the word, the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world, and it is bringing forth fruit. It is like the seed on the fallow ground in the uh, in Jesus' story, parable, of the soil and the seed on the soil some sprouted. And where this seed landed in, uh, in good ground, it sprouted. And you learned this, you heard it from Ephesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it touched them, it touched other people around them. Uh, it's written about here in this letter it has touched us who are believers. Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. And, and uh, Paul takes a moment to uh, lay out who this Christ is. This is not the founder of some cult. This is not some charismatic charlatan who fleeces his followers and deceives them. But this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And in verse, beginning at verse 15 in that first chapter, Paul wrote, He is the image, as Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By Him everything was created, He said, whether it's things you can see or whether it's things you can't see. And he wasn't just talking about creatures that were under rocks, but about uh, spiritual things, angels, and, and the spiritual world. Everything. Nothing was created without him. Thrones, dominions, principalities, power. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church. So there's, there's several things that he outlines here. One is that Jesus Christ is the exact likeness of God. And that doesn't even say it strongly enough. It's not saying like he is very similar. I saw a little baby last thing and... Uh, here in New Angeles, little Patrick, very kind of person. And I'm not one of these who looks at little ones and thinks that's his grandmother or that's his father or that's his, that looks like his sister when she was a baby. I hardly ever do that. But when I tell that little baby, I, I thought I saw Louis dead for a But so there was a. a, a when there was a likeness there of sorts. Well, this isn't the kind of likeness that he's talking about here, something pretty similar or somewhat similar, but a perfect manifestation of God the Father. Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. If you see me, if we see Jesus, we see the Father. And that's what he's saying here. And he is the creator, the firstborn of creation. Now, some people have misunderstood that and take that to say that he was the first thing created, that Jesus was the first being created. But that's not what this is saying. Firstborn has other meanings. One is that he, it, Jesus existed before creation. But this is a position of honor, the firstborn, a position of highest honor above all the creation. And then he laid out that he is the creator and sustainer, not part of the creation himself. And the third point that Paul made that he is the head of the church the head of his body, his bride. And he works through his body. That's what heads do. 
who works through his body. The head controls the body. And it, he is the origin, the author and finisher of a new creation uh, that, that uh, the Christian is. He is the source of its power. He is the source of its direction. The resurrected Christ. After offering himself a perfect sacrifice for our sins, he raised from the dead, resurrected for our spiritual life and victory. And this is the Christ that is in you, the hope of glory, within the heart of the Colossian Christians and the hearts of each of his disciples and believers today. He did a great work in the Colossian Christians. He does a great work in all believers uh, today. In verse 12, giving thanks to the Father, He has, uh, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, into Christ's kingdom, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. Deliverance. You know, there is no way that anyone... Um, you know, people sometimes get sick of sin, get sick of their old life, Sometimes it's the reason why there are suicides, to just get sick of their life. And, but there is no way that a person, even with his best effort, could struggle free from the uh, effects and the mastery of sin. It is only through Christ that there is true deliverance. People can break habits. They can turn over new leaves and do better. But the only way to find true deliverance from the power that holds people in sin and from that influences people in sin and keeps them under condemnation is Jesus Christ. And He will deliver us from that power of darkness and from that wicked influence and from the condemnation that is over us when we live in sin. And he carried, he um, conveyed, is what the New King James says. Uh, it, I think the authorized version of the New King James says, translated, I believe. But he carried us. Uh, Move us over from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Christ, of truth and light. And there is no condemnation there. We are now reconciled with God. We're at peace with God. It pleased the Father, in verse 19, it pleased the Father that in Christ all the fullness should dwell and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, 
yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. That's a wonderful story. That's a wonderful truth and promise for all of us. It was a wonderful thing in the life and the hearts of the Colossians. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Another thing I was impressed uh, about was the part of prayer in this this work in Colossians in the Colossian church. And the, uh, these aren't really scriptures that are teaching prayer, but by telling us about what was going on, we can learn some things about prayer. One was, in the third verse we see, in the first chapter, that prayers were constant. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And in verse 9, we do not cease to pray for you. And in chapter 4, in the second verse, the church was told in the letter to continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us. So, uh, continue earnestly in prayer for yourselves for your brothers and your sisters. Ephesus, pray for the church in Colossae. Pray for Paul, he said. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your Sunday school teachers, Bible school teachers, people in the work of the harvest. A lot of prayers were ascending to the throne on, in behalf of the Colossian Church. Now, I've heard a lot about the Christian Church in Colossae. And we could spend some time uh, looking at the things that they prayed for, they were afraid about. There was thanksgiving. He based the year with fruit. Uh, Paul was thankful for the fruit that he heard about that was growing there in the Colossian, the Colossian Church. Their faith in God and their love for each other. What a testimony that is. They prayed for discernment to know God's will and power to do God's will. He prayed that um, you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and ever-growing knowledge. You know, there was a desire and that's a lesson for me, a lesson for us. To pray for God's will. Walking, desiring God's will. And sometimes we get caught up in prayers wanting God to understand our will and what, what our desires are. And it is legitimate to pray our desires uh, and concerns to God, but our greater concern should be God. What is your will? What do you desire? Especially in the things of our Christian character and our Christian development. And uh, he says here, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, 
that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Being fruitful, then that's a good work. We have to understand what God's will is. What that, how we should react, and when we know that, what God, how God wants us to respond to things, um, we want to respond that way. And if we don't, God should prod us. Uh, often through the truth that we have read in the Scripture and understand and learn uh, through His Spirit's teaching. Uh, wisdom and spiritual understanding is great guiding truth from God's Word. And being able to apply that to our everyday life. So we could... Uh, yeah, there's a lot more to cover here um, about Christ in you, the hope of glory. I do want to touch on uh, chapter 3 uh, briefly. First four verses. These first verses of chapter 3 say this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you die, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So there are two instructions here that we are clearly given. If you are raised with Christ, if Christ is in you, the hope of glory, then here's some instructions. Number one, think those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Pursue those things which are above. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. People who seek after do the things that we got. They live differently from those that are of the world. Those that are being informed by the world, those that are being influenced by the world's view of how things are and what's important, a deadly view. They are unconverted. They are self-centered. They are carnal. They are unclean. But those who are in Christ have died to the old life and are now raised with Christ to a new life. And so, instead of... Uh, they are concerned about serving instead of ruling, forgiving instead of payback, and 
sharing instead of hoarding. Speak those things which are above. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Focus. Be intentional. Uh, that affects how we set up our priorities and what we spend our time with. In um, the first chapter, in verse 43, where after he said that uh, he reconciled us to God to present us holy and blame, blameless and so on, and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Set your mind. Set your force. Set your focus. Uh, many years ago, there was a book actually written back in 1605. A Johann Arndt wrote a book, True Christianity. It was written in German, of course, but the uh, translation of the title, True Christianity. And he had a picture in there. It was a woodchuck. Uh, it was actually of a, of a cannonball. And so I'm supposed to a basketball. And his point was that, imagine this here, sitting on a tabletop, and he would just sit there. But notice how much of it is touching the tabletop. There's a very small spot that is touching the earth. And he said that's the way it should be with the Christian. That there is just a small, we're, we're in the world, we're on the earth, but we're here likely, we're engaged, but we're touching the earth likely a small part of us. The main part of us, the large part of us, is up here in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Fellowship with Him, communion with Him, learning with Him, serving Him, living the Christian life. And in some place I read uh, this that, that uh, blessed me. In the first, in the greeting here of, of this letter, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. So, there's a lesson here. You know, all of the people in Colossae were in Colossae, but only a small group, the group that was part of the church, were in Christ. And so it's like a Venn diagram. You know, there's a small circle, there's a large circle, a small circle within the large circle. And small circle is in the large circle, but it's, there's something different here about it that separates us, them from the rest of the uh, whatever's in the larger circle. So, um, in that small circle, 
in Christ, there were people that loved God, that served God, that pleased God, who set their affections on things above and thought about God, prayed to God. They lived for God. They were delivered. They were amazed by Jesus and awed by Him. They worshipped Him. And they prayed. And the power of God worked in their hearts. And they were fruitful. They were the saints in Christ who lived in Colossae and were like to Colossae. The lost around us. So that is our message this morning. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I don't know what all God talked to you about this morning. I pray He talked to every one of you. And whatever He said, uh, let's listen to what He said to us. And respond to the sexual. And may God bless us. Let's just close this out.